This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Letter number thirteen. And like most of the letters that we read till now, this is a fundraising letter. But it's not your typical fundraising letter that you get in the mail. <laughs> a letter like this you don't get in the mail today. A sob story. This is something very deep and profound um, regarding tzedakah, regarding the idea of kindness. It's a very illuminating, inspiring letter. It's based on a verse in Psalms, chapter 31. And the verse in Psalms is, King David says to Hashem, how abundant is your goodness, which you have hidden away for those who fear you, etc. The rest of the verse reads, which you have wrought for those who trust in you before men. The verse seems that there are two types of goodness. There's a goodness which you've hidden away, and there's a goodness which is obvious for those who trust in you before men. So it's before men, it's an obvious goodness. So he's going to explain in this letter what this verse is referring to. That there is a revealed level of goodness, and then there is a hidden, a hidden level. So the literal meaning of the verse is that there is a kindness, a goodness, a reward that Hashem has hidden away for those who fear Him. And then there's a goodness which you have given to those who trust in you before men, which is not hidden, which is revealed. So since there's two types of rewards, a reward which is hidden and a reward which is not hidden, so there are two types of service that evokes this type of reward. There's a service of Hashem which is hidden, concealed, and there's a service of Hashem which is revealed. There's two types of services which evokes, brings out two types of kindness, two types of goodness, which is the reward. So there's the reward, a service which is hidden, brings out a reward which is also hidden, that God hides for those, conceals for those who fear Him. And then there is a reward of goodness, which Hashem gives openly to those who trust in Him before man, which is a reward for a level of service of God, which is also revealed and not concealed. So he's going to explain in this letter 
that there's two types of souls, two types of people, two types of personalities, two types of characters. One is hidden, concealed, and one is open and revealed. And he explains that this is the two types. There is, there is chesed, which is kindness, which is revealed. And then there is gevura, which is hiding, restraint, which is concealed. Two types of personalities. There's a more open personality and there's a more hidden personality. Some people are very open, very kind. They read like an open book. They're like open people. And then there are people who have the exact opposite nature. Very hidden, very private, very intimate, very concealed. It's not for public consumption. Extroverts, they're introverts. There are people who live for the public, in the public eye thrive from living in the public eye and there are those who actually live quietly and thrive away from the public eye. That's when they really come to life. People come alive when they're in public and they thrive from that energy and there are people who come alive when they're alone and private, very private people, intimate people and it's not that one is better than the other. It's two different people, two different types of people. One is chesed, one is kindness, one is gevura. Not one is superior to the other, one is... Like everything else in life, everyone has an advantage. Everyone, every quality has a uniqueness, a unique energy, a unique advantage. But, but they're both correct, they're both... Um, genuine approaches it depends on their personality it depends on their soul on the root of their soul there are those souls that are rooted in kindness there are those souls that are rooted in gevura and therefore their personalities are different that's the root of their soul that's how they thrive that's how they function that's how they operate best and that's what he's going to explain now how abundant is your goodness which you have hidden away for those who fear you, which you have brought for those who trust in you before men. Now, the first part of the verse states that the reward is hidden away, while its conclusion implies that it is revealed to the sight of men. The altar will now explain that corresponding to these two forms of reward, the Jews' spiritual service that leads to the reward, likewise assumes two forms. There is both a concealed and a revealed form of divine service. Among those who serve God by fulfilling the Torah and its mitzvot, there are two distinct kinds and levels. Depending on the root of their souls above, in the categories of the right, chesed, and the left, gevurah. In terms of the effect of the soul's root, this means that left is characterized by contraction and concealment in one's divine service. Thus, with regard to this manner of service, it is written, and to walk covertly with the Lord your God, and in another verse we find, in secret places weeps my soul. And in the words of our sages, whoever engages in the study of the Torah in secret. 
So we have an, an approach that's consistent. He's walking with God quietly, covertly, undercover. He's crying. No one sees him crying. He cries inwardly when he's alone. Torah? He's studying Torah quietly, privately, in secret. So this is a whole approach, a consistent approach, very secretive, covert, undercover, quiet. The three above-mentioned quotations refer to the three general modes of divine service. With regard to the mitzvot, to walk covertly regarding prayer, my soul weeps. And with regard to Torah, engage in the study of Torah in secret. He's bringing three verses because the three pillars, the three pillars that the world stands on, the three parts of our spiritual service, Torah, service, prayer, and good deeds. So regarding each and every one of them, all of the three, his whole approach is quiet. You walk, you're doing mitzvot, you're walking, you do mitzvot quietly, without fanfare, quietly, covertly. You're crying, you're praying, you're pouring your heart out to Hashem. Doors are locked, there's nobody around, it's just you and Hashem. You are studying Torah secretly, privately, quietly. No one sees, no one has to know, it's nobody's business. All the above approaches to divine service result from one of the main, of the traits that characterizes Gevura, vis-a-vis concealment. The Alter Rebbe now goes on to speak of the other dominant trait that characterizes the attribute of Gvurah, is contraction. Gvura is to hide, is conceal, restrain, cover up. To hide, conceal. So, he's crying to Hashem, it's quiet, it's private. It's a, this is a very inward person very private, very intimate. Everything is inward, everything is... And this is a path in serving Hashem with those who would cover up. No one should know their greatness, no one should know what they're doing. If they did anything, it was quietly, no, no one's business, nobody has to know. They'll be very upset if anyone found out. It's between them and Hashem, it's between me and God, nobody's business. I'm doing this. And... That's when they come alive. That's when they thrive. When they're alone and private and within themselves. From this attribute derives also the element of contraction and limitation in the service of God. For example, having one's disbursements to charity adjudged according to one's means and setting one's limits in the spirit of the teaching, he who gives lavishly should not expend more than one-fifth. Likewise, as regards the study of Torah and the other commandments, such a person is satisfied if he discharges his definite duty, which the Torah explicitly obligates him to do so, such as to set aside certain times for Torah study. Thus, the soul's root in the supernal left in the attribute of Gevorah will lead one to act in a manner consistent with its character trait of limitation, so that he will give only as much tzedakah 
study only as much Torah and perform the mitzvot only to the degree that he is obligated. So this part seems a little problematic because a person only gives what he has to give and won't give any more. He only studies what he's obligated to do and he won't do anything more. Usually we don't associate it with something positive. That's a person who's just trying to... who's lazy, who just wants to fulfill his obligations and it's like paying income taxes and you do it the bare minimum and then you're done. God forbid I should pay an extra penny. <laughs> God forbid I should give an extra penny to Tzedakah. I should learn a little extra minute of Torah. Torah says, no, you don't have to learn. Finished. I've done my duty. I can close my books. And now I can... We're talking about... He's talking about a path in serving God. These are souls, very special souls, who are crying, crying behind closed doors, crying to Hashem when no one sees them. And these are people who are doing th- mitzvot quietly. Nobody knows. Nobody will ever know. It's nobody's business. They're studying Torah in secret. You know, no one even realizes how much Torah they're studying in secret. So why all of a sudden they just do it at the bare minimum, do it happy? So what he's describing here is not someone who's lazy, who's just whose approach to Torah is that it's mechanical, I have no choice, it's an obligation, it's a duty that I'll discharge of, and then thank God I'm free. No, we're talking about a person is coming from a very deep place, a very genuine place. A person who has this attribute of gevura, which to conceal, but also contract, what it means is to be precise. To be precise means to be correct. It has to be real. I don't just do things, just do it. You know, I feel like it, I'm doing it. That's ego, that's me. That's not everything that he does. It has to fit. It has to be correct. It has to connect. It's real or it's not real. Oh, but the sentimental, the, the sentiments are wonderful. I don't care about sentiments. Is it real or is it not real? There are people, the whole life is about sentiments. But is it correct? Is it not correct? They don't care about that. That's the opposite. That's the kind person. Everything is sentimentality and everything as long as it's gushing and it's loving and I mean well and I'm so sensitive. This is the exact opposite characteristic trait. For the person of Gavura, he's a genuine person. Everything has to be, it's right or it's not right. It fits or it doesn't fit. It just makes me feel good. That's fluff. To him it's bluff. It's fluff. It's, it's, you know, I'm not interested. I, I'm, I want the real thing. Does it fit? Does it connect? Does it, every word that he says, it has to resonate. It has to be for real. It has to be genuine. Everything has to... And if it's not right, it bothers him. This is a person of justice. What, what's justice? It says when God created the world, he wanted to create the world with din, with justice. He saw the world couldn't last. He mixed within it compassion. Why would God want to create the world with justice? Because justice is much deeper. Justice is much more genuine. It's a genuine world. It is or it isn't. It's real or it's not real. This fluff and this, this sentimentality, you can't take it. I'm not interested. Tell me what the reality is. You know, it's much more respectful. Just tell me the truth. Sometimes liberalism could kill you because you just can't tell me the truth. I don't have to be treated like a baby and don't, don't, don't give me fluff, don't give me bluff, don't give me sentimentality, don't give me sensitivity. Just tell me the honest truth. You know, treat me like an adult for a change. 
Don't treat everyone, everyone's a victim and no one can take responsibility for anything and there is no truth and everything is... is this is a genuine person. So everything has to be correct. Everything has to be real. So it's not, it's, not, it's not about sentimentality. This is what the Torah says. This is, what the, this is what Hashem wants. This is the way it is. I don't have to embellish it. Why do I have to embellish it? If I have the truth, there's no need to embellish. This is what the Torah says. This is what God wants. He wants me to give 10% and ideally to give 20%. This is, this is Siddhartha. I'm not looking. It's not about me. It's not about my sentimentality and my sensitivity. Forget about yourself for a half a second. It's about doing what Hashem wants. What's the reality? What's the real thing? If this is what the Torah says, not more and not less. Just like 613 mitzvot. Oh, but I love God so much. I'm so gushing with love. I want to do 614 mitzvot. Don't do anyone any favors. Torah says 613, not 614, not 612. This is the emes. This is the reality. Is it about you or is this about what Hashem wants? Is Torah mitzvot about the truth or is it about what makes you feel good? So whenever there's an excess of me and what makes me feel good and I love, the person who loves has a very big problem with this because he pushes the limits. Torah says, don't do this. Yeah, but I love the person so much. You don't have to be so exacting. It's not so... And at the end of the day, it, it turns out to be counterproductive. You're not helping the person. If you violate the Torah out of the name of love for your fellow Jew, it will completely backfire. Because there has to be a genuineness. There has to be a certain emes. There has to be an inner check, an inner compass, an inner... It's almost like a lie detector. This is real or it's not real? This is... You know... Get beyond your ego, your, your fluff and your bluff and your sensitivity and gushing and sentimentality. Just tell me the reality. What's the reality? What's the emphasis? So for this Jew, all that exists is Hashem and His will. This is what the Torah says. I don't have to do more, I don't have to do less. It's not that I'm lazy and I'm looking to cut corners. No. If it's not correct, it bothers me. When the Torah says, don't give more than 20%, Hashem says he doesn't want more than 20%. No, I want to give more than 20 Who are you? Who do you think you are? Who cares what you want? It's not about you. It's about what Hashem wants. This is what the Torah says. That's all that exists. That's the only reality. So in a way, it's much more genuine. It's not about ego. It's not about my self-expression. The person of Gevura forgets about himself wants to forget about himself, go beyond himself. It's about getting to the truth. So if this is what Hashem says, so nothing else, there is nothing else. All that exists is what Hashem wants. And this is exactly how Hashem wants it. Very precise. Very exact. This and not more and not less. So why should I do more? I, what, what, what do you mean? If doing more means it's not about God, it's about me. It makes me feel good. I feel real, religiosity and I feel spiritual. Is it about you or is it about Hashem? The person of Gevura is very exacting. That's why it's very contracting. He contracts his ego. It's not about him. It's not about... It's about really getting to the truth. And that's why it bothers him. That's why he's a person of justice. If something doesn't fit, the painting is crooked, something is not right. It, it doesn't fit. The painting is crooked. It's not... It's not the Torah says the way the painting should be. Not this way, and not that way, and not upside down, and not crooked. and not. This is the picture the way the Torah says. The Torah says, hang the picture this way. Tzedakah should be this. Not more, not less. I want it to hang this way. So also, I'm going to come and say, no, I want to give Tzedakah more than Hashem wants. 
Hashem says, I want you to study Torah. This is the way the picture should look. This is the frame. These are the dimensions. So, no, I, no, I know better. I want, to give, I want to learn more than Hashem wants me to learn. It's, not about, it's about correct. There has to be an inherent connection. Whatever Hashem says, whatever Hashem wants, this is the reality. This is inherently real. This is the inner connection. So everything has to fit. Everything has to be perfect, connect, and real. These are the dimensions of the Torah, and that's perfect for me. I don't need any embellishment. You strip away, you constrain, you contract, you strip away any ego, I, sentimentality. Just, just get to the bottom, to the core, the essence of the matter. So it's, it's, Gevura is energy. He's doing the Torah with energy. And his restraint is also with energy. It's not just he's lazy and he's... This is a very energetic person. He's not looking to... But his approach, this is his approach to life. Everything has to be correct. Everything has to be real. There's justice. There, there, there's a measure. There's, this is the way it is. It fits. Not more, not less. Not sideways, not up, upways, not, not downwards. This is the way it is. This is the correct one. So this is a person of gavur. This is a very inward person. The fire within the person is very, it's inward. It's an inner fire. No one has to see it. No one sees it. It's no one's business. But there's a fire inside that's burning that keeps him going. He cries alone. He studies alone. He does mitzvot quietly. Nobody's business. And everything has to fit. And if it doesn't fit, it bothers him. I can't just go along as well. It feels good. It's, no, it's not right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. It doesn't connect. It doesn't. Everything has to be proper, the right measure. That's why he's very just. That's why he can come along as very tough. Gavura, strength, toughness. Because he demands justice. It has to be correct. It has to be right. This is the approach. This is, this is the approach of Shammai, the classical approach. This is the approach of Shammai. Shammai versus Hillel. The conservative approach versus the liberal approach. Shammai was more brilliant than Hillel and Shammai. The conservative approach is really a much more genuine approach than the liberal approach. It's about truth. It's about emes. It's much more respectful. God wanted to create the world conservatively. He saw the world couldn't handle it, so he mixed in a little mercy and compassion. But that's the most genuine approach, that's the correct approach, that's, that's reality. It has to be real. Not that it's not about me. It makes me feel good. That, 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 that's fluff. That, that, that could be patronizing as well. You're patronizing the people you want to help. It's not about them, it's about you. Gavura is genuine. Am I really helping them? Is this really helping them? It makes me feel good, but is this, is this what this person really needs? The drug addict, he needs the, he needs the, the dollars, he doesn't go buy drugs, am I really helping him? It's not I'm being cheap, I don't mind, I'll give him money, but, but I mean, who am I kidding? Oh, it makes me feel good, so I'm just faking it. Well, who, who, who am I kidding? Who am I bluffing it? I didn't help him. So it, it, it's an approach. Gavura is an approach, a correct approach. Well, why, am I, why am I treating him like he's a weakling? 
let me help him, help himself, but not, not, not treat him like he's a, he's a helpless person. Without me, he can't live. I mean, what, what, what am I, I'm babying him? I'm not helping him. I'm not doing him any favors. So it's, it's an approach. It's a genuine approach. This is Gevura. And everything in life is that way. It's an approach. It's an approach to life, consistent. It's a nature. It's an instinct. It's a nature. It's much deeper. It's a very deep internal approach. Everything has to click, make sense within. It has to be real. It has to, something has to stir, shift inside. Something has to connect. It can't, I can't just do things externally and superficially and publicly. It's real or it's not real. If it's real, it's nobody's business. It's, I know inside it's real. I cry inside and I study in secret and I do mitzvah good deeds quietly. And it has to, if it's real, it's real. If it's not real, I don't care. The whole world, the whole world says differently. So what do I care? Two, the whole world says two plus two is five. Who cares? It's not right. It's not correct. It, it doesn't fit. So I'm sorry. I'm not interested. So I'll be the, the only one in the world saying being against. So I, this is an approach of life, of gevura. Very individual. Very individual. This is the, the individuality. A person that doesn't just go with the flow and doesn't just follow the crowd and doesn't just live like the Joneses. And doesn't, a person who stands up for principle, a person who believes in it's real, it's not real, it's correct, it's not correct. Principles, convictions, very deep inner convictions. It has, if, it, if I do something, it has to be not because I'm doing it to please others, because something deep inside of me is telling me, compelling me to do this, and it's real. This is a very inner person. And the whole approach to life in general, it's a very broken-hearted person. Inside, a person, there's a restlessness. There's, there's something that eats away inside, a restlessness, a constantly seeking and searching. And, and it's all deep inside. Nothing to do with anyone else. Just a search inside to really get to the bottom of things, to really to be genuine, to be authentic, to be superficial. It's a very deep, profound inner drive. It's like a it's like a volcano that's under that's under under the ground, and it's like uh, cooking, and it's very private. Very intimate. Very genuine. This is a person that can be very quiet, but inside is, is, inside is so much depth and so much richness and so much goodness. But it's all hidden and concealed. Nobody sees, nobody knows, no one's business. But he's so alive inside. And he doesn't need anyone. He has, he has his own inner engine that keeps him going. He doesn't need anyone's company. He's very quiet, private. He has a whole rich inner life nobody even knows about. This is Gavur. This is approach of Gavur. It's very deep, very profound. And his approach on others is also the same. From it derives also the teaching of our sages of blessed memory. Cast awe upon the people. So actually, this verse... In some versions, it actually describes the opposite person, the liberal person, the kind person. But some versions say the correct version is the way it has it here, to put it that this is an attribute, a quality that fits, that goes together with the person of gavur, strength. 
Because the effect of the person of Gevura, the effect that he has on others is also the same. His effect on others is completely different than the liberal, kind, loving person. The person, liberal person, his effect on others is to make them feel loved, loved and comfortable. The person who's Gevura, his effect on others is the same effect he has on himself. He's disturbed inside. He's troubled inside. He's constantly seeking and searching and going deeper and trying to get to the truth. So his effect on others is the same thing. He disturbs others. He disturbs you from your sleep and your complacency. He makes you feel uncomfortable. That's his job. The teacher's job, the good teacher, is to make his students feel uncomfortable. A student is too comfortable and too complacent and so superficial. The teacher wants to wake him up. The teacher's job is to make him feel uncomfortable, to make him hungry. A good teacher is not a teacher who just gives information. A good teacher is the one who turns a student into a student, who makes a student hunger for knowledge, thirsty for knowledge, because he disturbs him, he wakes him up, he makes him uncomfortable. Realize how superficial, how superficial the student is. And the student suddenly requires a, a, such an intense hunger and yearning for knowledge. That's the best that a teacher can do. That's a good teacher. Not the little bit of information that he can give him. How much information could he already give and share and depart? It's to turn him into a student, turn him into a vessel. The problem today is our kids get the best information known in to man. There's no hunger. <laughs> they couldn't care less. doesn't mean anything. It's like falling on deaf ears. You give a, a full person, you feed him the, 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 the f- uh, five cores, best cuisine in the world. If you're not hungry, it doesn't do anything. When you're hungry, then you feed him great food. A student has hunger, and then he can, distinct, he can distinguish in quality information versus foolish information, the superficial information. Then he knows he's hungry, and then when you feed him the best the best food, the best cuisine available. He has an appreciation. He'll develop a taste for fine food and fine wine. And fine. If there's no hunger, and there's no thirst, it means nothing. So a good teacher is not just giving the student the best information available, highest quality information available, which is very precious because there's a lot of mediocrity out there. <laughs> Maybe 90% mediocrity. So you find, you find a good teacher and a good teaching, it's rare and, it's, 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 and, and you appreciate it. But you only appreciate it if you're hungry. <laughs> if there's no hunger for knowledge, if there's no thirst for knowledge, then the best information in the world, you won't appreciate it. It doesn't mean anything. So that's what a teacher can do. A teacher is the one who makes the student into a student. By, by casting awe on the pupils, if the teacher is just approaching the, 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 the student with love and makes every child feel so loved, and that's fine. But that's not the ultimate teacher. The ultimate teacher is, he should put fear in the, in the student. He should, the student should be in awe. The student should, that creates the hunger. Suddenly the student feels like, I didn't, I didn't even begin. I better start. I, I, I know nothing. I, you realize how superficial and empty you are and how, how much you need to know and how much you suddenly have a thirst for knowledge. You know, it's like a, like a, like a, a person, you know, kids learn, we learn in, in, in school, you learn French and you learn Spanish. I mean, 90% of the kids, 90% of the material goes out one ear, goes, goes in one ear, goes out the other ear. 
if there was a need, if you were traveling to France, <laughs> if you had a friend that was uh, only spoke French, suddenly, oh, suddenly there's an urgent need to know, and suddenly there's a hunger and a thirst, and you're hanging on every word, and it sticks in your head, and you, you, you're gobbling it up, and you... So the, when the teacher makes the student uncomfortable, now the student suddenly has a keen desire to learn knowledge, and he can't get enough, and, and he takes it in, he absorbs it, and, and it only whets his appetite for even more. That's a successful teacher. That's the most successful teacher. Who is the most successful teacher looking back? The teacher who loved you and embraced you, the teacher who made you uncomfortable, drove you crazy, pushed you to your limits, that's the teacher who really believed in you. That's the teacher who really cared about you. That's the teacher who made you learn, who expanded your horizon, who opened you up, who stretched you, taught you something valuable that you'll remember for the rest of your life. That's a rare teacher. That's the attribute of a gevura. It's the attribute that you have inside of yourself. It's an approach, a fiery approach. It's an inward approach. It's a, and that's the approach you have on others. Your job is to wake them up. Your job is to make them uncomfortable. So that's a whole one, uh, one type of personality. Shammai was less than Hillel. That's why the laws like Hillel, because Hillel had the majority. Because this is a very high level. Like Isaac. Isaac had a very small following. Abraham was love and kindness. He had a huge following. Isaac was Gevura, strength and intensity, all these qualities he's describing here. And Isaac had a very small following because this is not for the faint of heart. This is for someone who wants to climb Mount Everest, someone who wants to push the envelope, someone who wants to do something unusual, unique, something. This is the energy of Gevura. Gevura is the one who's looking for excellence, the person who's looking for excellence, for quality, for top of the line for intensity, for genuineness, authenticity, depth. How many people have that drive? How many people are looking for that? How many people have the endurance and the ability to, to endure and to climb the mountain? This is, this is, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. This is gavura. It takes toughness, strength, intent. But this is a very special quality. Shammai was more brilliant than Hillel. Shammai was from the, the word Shammai comes from the word Hashem. Everything is to evaluate. Everything has to be evaluated. Everything has to be, has to be honest and genuine. And we find an argument in the Talmud in Shammai and Hill. How do you praise a bride to the groom? Shammai says, you can't lie. So you praise her as she is. So uh, a bride is ugly and can't t- tell the groom she's beautiful, she's most beautiful. She's not. <laughs> you have to evaluate the truth. <laughs> be honest. <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't have to be brutally honest, but you have to be honest. You can't, you can't. Uh... <laughs> Hillel says, no, you have, to, you have to praise because obviously in his eyes she's beautiful. No one else's eyes she's beautiful, but as long as in his eyes she's beautiful, it's all that matters. He can say she's beautiful. You're not lying. Shami says, no, it has to be genuine, it has to be honest. You know, there's no, very little room for diplomacy here. <laughs> Shami does not make for a good diplomat. Don't send him to work for the State Department. <laughs> He'll blow up. 
Because the whole State Department is based on bluff and lies, and uh, you know you have to parse the words. And you know we had frank discussions. Meaning we were fighting like dogs and throwing, throwing, throwing tomatoes at each other. You know you have to know what to, how to parse the language. But the genuine person, there's no room for these half lies and diplomacy. It's like tell it like it is. Let's speak honestly. Let's tell the truth. And you know, it's so refreshing. Because most people, everything is bluff and lies and half-truths. And, you know, you're not doing me any favors. <laughs> just, just, just tell it like it is. You know, how many friend, you know how many times people tell you, you have friends get together, let's do this. Families, let's do this. No one wants to do it. But since everyone said, let's do it, no one wants to, no one wants to be the bad guy and say, hey, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. So everyone ends up doing it. Everyone is miserable. No one is happy. If one person had the courage to get up and say, why? It doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a bad idea. But everyone gets caught up in the moment. No one wants to stand out. And, you know, yeah, it's good. Let's all do it. And you, you need, where's a shame when you need him? You need a person of Gevura, a strong, strong person. It takes strength and courage to stand up and say, wait a minute. It, it doesn't fit. It's not, it's not good. I don't like it. It's not the, I mean, I'm not going to enjoy this. And to everyone's relief, it would be to everyone's relief, he would be doing everyone a favor. But most people just go along, it sounds good. Until a critic gets up and says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? People are praising a book, a critic gets up and says, it's the most ridiculous book I've read in my life. Why is everyone praying and praising it? It's absurd. Everything he says is nonsense. Why why is everyone praising it? But that's the truth. People, oh. Anyone could have told you then what everyone sees now. But, you know, it was the group, the guys, everyone was afraid. Oh, it was, it was popular. And in Gvur, you need a, an, an honest person, a genuine person who's in touch with something deep inside who doesn't get carried away with superficialities and, and cut, through, cut to the chase and cut through all the nonsense and just tell it like it is for yourself and for others. This is this, the teacher has the, that effect on the students. No bluff, no baloney. Tell me the truth. Do you understand this? Don't you understand it? And the students are afraid of him. They're in awe of him. They're afraid of the teacher because they know there's no bluff here. You can't get away with murder. Either you understand the subject matter and you're not just mouthing words. Because this teacher will ask the student two questions. One question, he'll see right, one question he'll see, do you really understand the material? You just, you just memorize things for your test. And he, well, he, doesn't take, he doesn't take any baloney. So the students are afraid of him. But that's healthy. Because he forces the students to really think what they're saying and to really understand what they're saying and to get into it and to chew it over and to learn it and to study it honestly. That's a great teacher. That's a breath of fresh air. Otherwise you could be smothered with all this love. You just can't take it anyway. Just a little honesty, a little truth. Businesses pay thousands of dollars to get millions of dollars to get honest feedback. It's priceless. Truth. Politicians pay millions of dollars to get polls, to get truths, to find out what's really going on. The idea is how precious it is. This concept of gavur, this concept of let's evaluate honestly, let's approach everything in life genuinely. Let's brush away all the sentimentality and all the fluff and the let's, let's get to the reality and it's so refreshing it's 
like fresh water. It's like so relieving just to know where you stand. So this is an approach in life. It's the conservative approach. It's a much more honest approach, much more genuine approach. And that's why God wanted to create the world with his attribute of din. So that's one personality. That's one character. I'm sure we can all, we all know one such person. <laughs> At least. <laughs> so that, they're predominantly gavura. They're, they're from the left side, from the, from the gavura side, from the strong side, from the intense side, from the deep side, from the honest side. <laughs> then there is another attribute, a completely different attribute. By contrast, the characteristic of the bride is the attribute of cheese and expensiveness, serving Hashem, with amplitude, without any contraction or concealment, whatever. As it is written, and I will walk about expensive. So the opposite of chesed, which is reconcealed and hidden and secretive, is the exact opposite. Everything is open. Everything is with our expense. And this approach has many advantages. Because when you do things expansively and you do things openly and you do things, there's an energy, there's, there's a strength, there's, you know, it expands also. The energy expands, it's much stronger, it's anything that's open and expansive, it sweeps you up in the energy and you yourself are swept up in that energy and the success is also much greater when it's open. It's like what characterizes business in the, in the communication age, when everything is open and everything is communicated and business is exploded a thousandfold because when everything is communicated and everything is expansive and everything is open... The success, it's beyond anything you could imagine. It's, not, it's exponential. It's not. So the person who's very expansive and the person whose approach is very it's big and everything he does is grand and big and large. It becomes larger than life. It becomes, there's an energy there and there's a, there's a which is very, very special. So that's, that's one approach. And also the other aspect of Gavura, which is contraction, here is the exact opposite of contraction. And without any contraction or limitation, whatever, with such an individual, not only the approach to divine service, but also its execution is characterized by a broad suit. There is no restraint to the spirit of his generosity, whether it will be with respect to charity, the study of Torah, or other commandments. He's not satisfied with merely discharging his obligation, but continues to the extent of never saying enough. These, then, are the two types of divine service that result from the soul being rooted either in the right or in the left. So there's no limit. His learning of Torah is without limit. His, his giving tzedakah is without limit. His generosity is without limit. He doesn't look at his watch. 
it's without any any calculation. Everything is expensive, and everything is in a big way, in a broad way. You know, the American way. Everything is big and broad and expensive and generous and giving. And so whatever he does is without limit. You learn Torah, there's no limit. He's not looking at his watch. He gets lost in the learning of Torah and he learns way beyond his obligation. Tzedakah, he's not counting his money. He's 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%. He's, not, he's, he's giving, I'm giving. There's no limits. And it's all open. He's not learning Torah quietly, secretly. He's learning Torah in public. Everyone sees him learning Torah. He's not praying, crying behind closed doors. Everyone sees him. He's praying openly. He's doing mitzvot openly. He's inspiring others. He inspires himself. He thrives off of that energy. He thrives off that public energy. He's not he's showing off. He just thrives <coughs> off that energy. And he's a social creature. He, he thrives off the interaction of him and other people. He needs them. They need him. We're all in this together. On the contrary, he wants to inspire others. I'm learning Torah. You should also learn Torah. I'm doing a mitzvah. You should also do a mitzvah. I'm giving tzedakah. You should also give tzedakah. But the whole approach is loud, big, expansive, loving, embracing. And I'm all in. There's no limit. A lot of warmth, a lot of energy, a lot of love. Versus Gevura is the exact opposite. Restraint, intimate, private, quiet. introverted enjoys his own company doesn't need anyone can entertain himself versus the introvert the extrovert needs thrives off other people's company needs that energy and that needs that feedback adulation feedback he just needs that support that strength and he's feeds back. He also helps others. So this is his approach to life. Everything is open. Everything is expensive. Now, not one is right and one is wrong. It's the right hand. It's the left hand. There are those souls who are rooted in God's kindness, which is expensive. The divine energy that's expensive. There are those souls who are rooted in God's givura, God's ability to restrain, God's ability to contract, God's ability to conceal. And these are two Aspects of Hashem. It says that God's infinite light could completely contract and conceal to an nth degree, completely hidden, completely concealed. And the other hand is completely revealed, completely open, completely... So you have these two opposite, the same infinite light could express itself, could be completely concealed. Total black hole, dark energy, completely concealed, completely hidden. Until you don't even notice that God even exists. God is completely hidden and concealed. Or it could be completely open and revealed and God is constantly creating and bringing everything into existence and constantly re- complete revelation. 
simultaneously at the same time. I think it was the Alter Rebbe who said about the Abal Shemtiv, founder of the Hasidic movement, that he had both of these qualities at the same time. Just like it says regarding the infinite light, to be completely concealed and at the same time be completely revealed. It has both of these potentials. It says the Baal Shem Tev was so broken. He says the poorest person in the world who was crushed was, wasn't as crushed and didn't feel as broken as the Baal Shem Tev felt inside. On the other hand, the mightiest king, the most powerful king, the most powerful, richest, wealthiest person on earth did not feel as expansive as the Bashamta felt. Simultaneously. This ability to be completely concealed and the ability to be completely revealed. And we see that by the Bashamta. Because Bashamta, till the age of 36, was completely hidden. He dressed like a peasant. No one even knew of his greatness except his clique, his, his colleagues, his friends who were part of a hidden group, hidden society of hidden tzaddikim, hidden righteous ones. And he was the leader of the group. But other than that, they used to travel around incognito, pretend to be simple people. Now it's hard to believe, it's hard to understand how that's possible. Because we see how much light the Baal had inside of him. Because that light is still illuminating our paths 300 years later and the entire Jewish people. Without the Baal there would be no Jewish people today. There would be no Yiddishkeit. Every Chabad house, 5,000 Chabad houses, the Baal houses. Their whole purpose and sole purpose is to spread the teachings of the Baal through the Tanya. Hasidus. So how could a Jew <laughs> who was the Abraham of Hasidus, Avraham, how could such a revolutionary created such a revolution that until this moment as we speak is creating the revolution that will lead to Mashiach and bring Mashiach so much light, so much intensity, all the Rebbes that came later it's all the teachings of the Baal Shem, to spread the fountain of the Baal Shem. So how could a Jew who had so much light inside him, infinite light, light that can light up such darkness, he could be hidden for 36 years and people thought he was a peasant and he used to walk with children to teach them olive base. He, would, he wasn't even the, the main teacher taught them the olive base. He was the helper who would help the teachers teaching olive base and walk them to school, take, pick them up from their homes, walk them to Shader and walk them back home and then the shul, he pretended to be a simple uh, shamish to help out in the shul, to sweep up the floors. No one ever saw him learning. It was only at night and everyone was asleep. That's when he would be up all night learning. How do, you, how do you hide? How can you hide such light? So the ability to completely hide and conceal such an infinite light and yet be completely hidden and concealed as if there's nothing. This is a divine quality. Just like God himself. How can God hide? He's such a good hider. He conceals himself. You look at this world, you look, huh? <laughs> and this, and this, uh, this professor, professor says, oh, I don't believe in God. 
you don't believe in God? How is it possible not to believe? You don't need belief in God. <laughs> how, how could, any five-year-old child understands that there's a God. You're supposedly one of the most brilliant men of this generation, and you say, how do I believe in God? Today, it's modern physics. That's what you're saying with everything we know now in the year 2014. That's what you're saying now? How can you believe in God? You're the world's biggest fool. Simply not smart enough. You don't have the wisdom of a five-year-old child. How could God, whose whole world is one astonishing miracle, it, it defies imagination. God is continuously and constantly creating the world as we speak, every moment. The world is so dynamic, it's so alive. It's such an astonishment. Every moment is just an astonishing miracle. And what's the reaction? God, when, who, what, when, where... Ego, yes. Me, yes. For sure. But God. Godliness. Truth. Honesty, integrity. What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know which planet you came from. These words mean nothing. All that means anything is ego, arrogance, brute, brutish strength. How could God hide himself so well? Only God, who's so infinite, has the infinite capacity to completely hide himself as if he doesn't exist. That's an infinite ability to completely hide himself. At the same time, God is constantly revealing his infinite self, by constantly creating the world, miracles, wonders, every, every moment of existence. is just the most astonishing miracle, the most the greatest wonder. So the ability to completely hide and the ability to completely conceal. And say so to the Bashem to have had simultaneously had the ability to completely hide this infinite light, this light that he had, this godly light. And then he, he revealed and revealed. And we're still living off that light. We're still being carried by that light 300 years later. And it's lighting up and illuminating the whole entire world. Through the Tanya and through. 5,000 Chabad houses all over the world. So therefore, since the soul ultimately is rooted, both souls, the soul that comes from Gevura, the ability to hide and conceal and contract, are rooted in God's divine attribute of Gevura. And the souls that come from the divine attribute of Chesed, expansive, open, revealed, come from the divine attribute of chesed, of kindness. So since they're both rooted, the souls are rooted in the divine, and God himself is infinite, God is both simultaneously. He completely can conceal himself, and simultaneously he can completely reveal himself. So therefore, he's going to go on and say, that therefore, we also have to do both. That we have to have both of these attributes. Every Jew has to be a combination of both of these attributes. The attribute to hide and the attribute of to reveal. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com